you know, we're, we're being asked to solve a business problem with creativity, but we're taught to focus on the tactical parts of what should be larger strategic decisions without even being taught what business is. Welcome to the Brand Master Podcast, show specialized in helping branding professionals and entrepreneurs to build brands using strategy, psychology, and creative thinking. What's up, Brand Builder? Stephen Horahan here on the Brand Master Podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with strategist, author, and professor Douglas Davis about the creative strategy framework and process for brands and how to bridge the gap between design and strategy. Now, Douglas Davis has an absolute stellar career. He's the principal of Brooklyn-based agency, The Davis Group. He's on sabbatical at the moment after a transformative term as the chair at Emmy Award-winning BFA Communication Design at New York City College of Technology. He's a regular speaker at industry conferences such as How Design Live and RGD Design Thinkers, and he's the author of the outstanding book, Creative Strategy and the Business of Design. So if you want to learn how to fuse creativity with strategic thinking so you can lead strategic workshops and brand strategy projects from a progressive and super cool New York-based professor, then stick around for this episode of the Brandmaster Podcast. Douglas Davis, it's an absolute pleasure, my man, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me and, and thanks so much for taking the time out of your Sunday afternoon to uh, to join us. Thank you as well, Stephen. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Thanks for including me. And you've called me out of sabbatical and I am here. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, just reach down here now. This is the this is the book that where I first came across you, um, and uh, I, I would say a large chunk of our listeners have have already read this because a large chunk of our listeners, uh, you know, have a good grasp of of strategy. Have certainly started on down that path, and if you haven't read this book, it's an absolute must. So, and that's creative strategy and the business of design. I'll leave link uh, links in the show notes, but that that's the the when i first came across that book you know it, it just everything resonated with me and um you know the the path that you walked going from uh the creative side to the strategy side was you know was was really something that spoke to me and it it's going to speak to a lot of our listeners because that's the path that they're on why do you think it's so critical especially in today's day and age with the creative industry the way it is, why do you think it's so critical for designers to be able to speak business and answer those bigger strategic questions? I personally think that, and this is again my opinion, I don't know the right answer, but I know what I think. Hmm. And I know that when you think about how things are shifting, when you think about how our field works, where you can go from freelancer to ACD in an afternoon just because you do your job very well, Mm. Um, like I did. Uh, I remember being uh, hired in an agency. Uh, I knew they didn't need me to just set headlines and things like that. I loved being in the environment, but I was going to work bored every day. Mm. And after maybe three months, I remember a flustered account exec running into the room and saying, the client wants a website. And I was like, I know how to do that. Mm. And, you know, again, from that moment, I was basically an hour later, I, I was in the, uh, the uh, CEO's office with the chief creative officer, basically talking to them about all the money that we left on the table the last three months that I've been coming to work board. I was paying attention, 
but I was bored. Yeah. Uh, from there, I went, you know, I was an ACD. And so I think it's the importance of learning strategy for modern creatives is really about negotiating the transitions. We all go from freshman, uh, you know, in, in college or university to first day on the job. And then you go as someone who just entered in the industry, you go from junior creative to mid-level, mid-level creative who wants a little bit more responsibility or who is tasked with having a more client-facing role. And then you go from there to being a senior level creative who is a little bit uh, you know, skeptical of being able to keep up, maybe even a little insecure of whether the, the young people who are coming behind you are gonna sort of knock you off. Uh, and then from there you might go to being a principal in your own firm. And so I think the reason why it's important for us to understand strategy and to learn business is because you never know what part of that negotiation you're going to be on. You never know when those transitions are going to happen. And I think, you know, it's always important to, to really keep in mind uh, something that I think that some of the university programs uh, fall short in, which is, you know, we're, we're being asked to solve a business problem with creativity. Mm. And that creativity has to, you know, be on brand, on strategy and on, on message. But we're taught to focus on the tactical parts of what should be larger strategic decisions without even being taught what business is. And so I think personally, there's a real perfect storm of, of miscommunication when a lot of times our clients are asking for strategy. They're asking, you know, yeah, they're asking us as creatives for strategy, but we don't know strategy because we weren't taught business. And mm. then you, you think about who, who else is on our team or are the in-house MBAs in there on our team, but they weren't taught in business school how to inspire creatives. So there's this communication gap in the way that we are trained to become professionals and we sit on that uh, team. We're supposed to be servicing that client and it doesn't even teach us to talk to each other. So I guess I can wrap this answer up by saying that our clients, our business teammates, they're not going to learn creative. They're mm -hmm. not going to learn Pantone colors and they're not going to learn the aesthetic things that we learn. They're not interested in typefaces. They don't want to hear the story of how you were inspired whenever you were hiking in Norway or wherever you were when the inspiration hit you. They just want to hear what your recommendation is. And so you have to understand what uh, business or marketing objectives are in order to, as a creative person, offer your analysis. And mm. so that's the reason why it's very important to, to learn and understand how to speak the language of business. Mate, I love how you answer your questions. It's just you, you, you tie everything in and it, it all becomes a, a, a story. And that, that's a skill in and of itself. And I, I, I can tell, you know, the, the, the path that you walked, you know, through the agency and, and kind of dealing with multiple people in the room, you know, they're the challenges that, that you faced and, there is that path. There's also the freelancer path, um, you know, for, for those who, who get that early uh, experience and then go out on their own. And what you said that, that spoke to me there was, you know, the, the, the clients on their side, they come to you looking for creative solutions and, and you as a, as a creative are providing those solutions. Yet there's this seems to be blind spot in the middle where you, you both kind of know about it, and, you know, it is slowly the creative starts addressing it bit by bit. It is, is that 
is that how you uh, you see the creatives' role in in bridging that gap to to raise that conversation about the strategy, even if the client is not? I do because uh, you know in our field everybody has an opinion, and I guess just in the larger everybody has an opinion, right? But our clients, <laughs> our clients pay us for our analysis. Yeah. And so I think it's just so important for us as creative people, because think about it, like we all go through as people who are our superpowers are harnessing our emotions, hmm. harnessing what we, what we feel, what we're experiencing visually, how that makes us feel, right? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess I would look at, what our role is as creative people and say that we are tasked with translating the rational language of business and translating that into the emotional language of design. Mm, mm. So it's so important for us to understand what those things are. And yes, it's our role because if you think about us as creatives, again, our superpower is that we can harness our emotions, but it's our worst enemy when we walk into that room full of people who we've never met before after pouring our heart and soul into the creative that we're about to show. And if you've not been taught how to harness your emotions and to deal with your emotions, and if you've not been taught that if you're walking into a room where different conversations taking place and there are people beyond the creative team in that room, they don't want to hear everything about the journey of how you got there. They just want to hear your recommendation up front and then why. And so the challenge is that if you can't harness those emotions, if you can't take control of what you're thinking and feeling in that moment, when that transition happens and you're in that room, your work can die on the table. And we all walk in there overworked, juggling a whole bunch of projects, and we are emotional people. So mm-hmm. it's our superpower, but it's also our worst enemy in terms of that, that emotional sort of how we feel in that I, moment. I, I talk about fear a lot as a result of that. And and I, I I can I can see you know within the room when when the the conversations are going on, but even stepping back uh, again, going back into the to the to the freelancer space in that discovery call where the 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 opportunity is there to make that connection and to take control of that conversation, you know, controlling those emotions and and leading the conversation, guiding your client with the relevant questions that is a pivotal moment and and it's it's highly relevant in that moment as well now the the within the book it's it's creative strategy and the business of design and the creative framework and and the process of going about developing a, a strategy from start to to finish is really what the 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 book is all about can you give us yeah. a, an overview of the creative strategy framework and the process Absolutely. So the creative strategy framework, as you mentioned, is uh, pretty much my proprietary uh, way to organize that chaos in the creative process. I always like to point to the fact that there's so much communication in the creative process. And that communication exists in the form of briefs, the actual briefing when you're in the room, the client's telling you what the business problem is, but the documents themselves how we understand what the actual problem is itself, that is a part of that communication. And if you can improve that communication, you can improve the likelihood that you can solve your client's problems with creative that's on brand, on strategy, and on message. 
So it's what I developed in order to organize that chaos because when you're from the creative side and you are trained in the aesthetic parts of things, but not necessarily the business parts, but then you seek to gain those skills, just like many of us did whenever flash or action script was a thing and now it's dead, right? Yeah, flash. Um, you know, it's, it's up to us to keep learning, right? It's up to us to keep growing. Again, they're not going to learn it. But I remember when I sought those business skills, there were so many concepts, so many terms that I was not familiar with. And so I developed a creative strategy framework, which is a three-step, uh, you know, four-column alignment exercise to really weave strategic thinking into a creative process that's really only focused on relevant information. Um, and before I sort of talk through how to use it, I'll just give a note about the quickest way that I've found to get utility out of it, which is to basically write down your notes in the kickoff meeting, mm -hmm. write directly to the framework, and then you can transition those notes onto a whiteboard or, or if you have a creative team, you can uh, have your brainstorming session again with a group or by yourself. But to get to how it works, it's, um, you know, again, four columns, three steps. The first column is the target. And uh, I think you have to make sure that you're understanding who the target is. And in this case, I like to always write that target with frameworks that give me a bit of insight into their demographics, their psychographics, and their behavior characteristics. And this is about understanding who you're talking to. You've got to get this right. If you can't, again, targeting is about you, not you, you, not you, right? And it really is the difference between an insurgent and a nuclear bomb. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got to actually target and you got to be very specific about who you're talking to so that you can speak in their language and you can choose where they even pay attention. Mm -hmm. The next uh, column is the facts. And really, the decision here is to really decide up front. Is this are we working on a, a brand? Is this a product from brand or is this a service? Mm -hmm. You've got to understand that first, because once you make that determination, it's the facts on that brand or the facts on that product or the mm -hmm. facts on that service. So that's a really important thing to have up, up top, because if you don't make that decision, all of the other pieces of information are going to be off. Mm -hmm. um, then you have the features and benefits uh, column, and that's, that's a ratio. So there's a slash. Um, it's written as a one-to-one -one ratio, and, and it's really aimed at itemizing, sort of boiling down um, how you connect the brand and the target through your brand is concerned with features of their product service or, or whatever they're trying to sell. And the target, people, us, we're concerned with what the benefits are in our lives as a result of that particular feature from that product or that service or that brand. And so it's really important to really be laser focused on what a feature is or what a benefit is so that you can then get even more specific in your creative, uh, you know, copy or in your concepts by being clear uh, if you want to lead with a feature statement or benefit statement based on whatever you're working on. And then lastly, this really, objective or message it sort of depends on what you're doing if you already have an, a, an account or if you already have uh or if you're freelancing let's say you're pitching you may be there to recommend right so if you're recommending there's probably some objectives that you're assuming through your research that this client who you're trying to win wants to hit so you can be very specific about increasing or how you want to move the needle increasing this decreasing that um 
uh, among this target group. Get really granular on what you're saying the actual objective is. Other times the client is going to walk in and they're going to tell you what they're trying to do. So again, some part of using this framework is your own research. Some part of using this framework is how you can retrain the way you listen so that you can understand where things go. Mm. And if you're doing messaging, this may be for people who already have an account, but they're asked to sort of add another phase to that account, or maybe this is another project that you're being given and you want to think through what is it that we want that target to go away with after they come in contact with our pop-up shop or our ads or our digital creative or our website that we're doing, whatever it is, what exactly is it that we want them to understand and go away with after they come in contact with, um, with our creative. And so those are the parts of the framework itself. And I'll say that it's only as good as the information that you populate it with, because it's, it's a framework. Exactly. Um, yeah. I can yeah. go into the different steps of using it. Um, if you'd like. Yeah, I, I've actually got some questions on that, and and I, I love I love the the simplicity of it. I, I think when it comes to to consultancy, there are a lot of uh, consultants in different industries that overcomplicate what they do to increase their perceived value. And I think as branding specialists, it's our job to do the opposite. We need to make it as simplistic as possible because we're trying to make sense of it for ourselves, for the clients, and specifically for the target audience. So I, I love the simplicity of that. And, uh, you know, w- w- we can complicate a lot of things, but when you really boil it down, it is about that target audience and just making the business as appealing to them as we possibly can. And I know that a lot of a lot of uh, creatives and branding specialists, when they go out into business for themselves, they 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 step over this this step, which is the the, the fundamentals of brand strategy and ultimately what they should be doing for the client, which is narrowing down on who that audience is so that they're not for everybody. So for small business, for example, which is, which is, you know, the majority of businesses out there. So how do you go about finding that audience? How do you, how do you drill down and identify who exactly you want to speak to? I think we have to really retrain what we listen. You know, oftentimes our clients come to us, with various forms of the exact same question. And I sort of boil that question down to tell me what to do, what should I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with that said, again, as people who are creative and who are trained in the tactical and sort of the aesthetic parts of um, solving a business problem or creativity, I think we can have this knee jerk reaction, especially whenever we're known for sort of working a miracle and solving the client problem. And so, over time, the client assumes you understand strategy because, well, you came through in all these other uh, projects. And so when they ask you for a strategic context, in addition to creative content, that's where we can run into problems as creative people if we're not careful. There's sort mm-hmm. of this, you know, my client is asking me for a recommendation or they're asking me for something or asking me what to do and I have to give an answer. And I guess... In this moment, uh, you know, in this context, I, I wanted, in order to find who you're talking to, you've got to resist the temptation to just give an answer, a knee-jerk answer, just because mm-hmm. you don't want there to be a difficult sort of wait time. I, I always tell my clients and my creatives um, that, you know, until I know, I don't know. 
and mm-hmm. I'm not shy in saying that I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But when I come to you with the recommendation at the agreed upon time, I will know what I think. It may not be the right answer because I don't think there is one right answer. So to find who you're talking to really does take, I think the first thing it takes is a restraint to make sure that you're not talking before you know what you think. And in order to give your opinion, that thing that you know our clients are going to pay us for in terms of our analysis, you got to find out what you think before you're asked. And so I think oftentimes, again, we can put the cart before the horse, but to find out who we're talking to, we've got to retrain the way we listen. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm giving less of an answer of how to do it and, and more of an answer of um, how to think about it because mm-hmm. you know, I won't, I won't sort of um, act like I, I'll give, you know, a one size fits all answer because that's, that's not how this works for us. Right. And so I want to acknowledge that, you know, whoever's listening knows the details of the situation that they're in a bit better than any of us. And so I think it's, it's better to talk through, especially to people who know what they're doing, um, what to look out for, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, and uh, I love that as well, because, um, you know, there is this, um, I'm not sure if you've read the, the coaching habit by Michael Bungay uh, Stanier, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. he, he talks about the advice monster and we've all got that advice monster. And it's this, this feeling that we're on the spot that we are the, the uh, you know, we are the specialists and we need to create magic in an instant and all eyes are on us and we have to pull a rabbit out of the hat and we have to, to, to give advice. And I love what you said about, you know, not being shy and saying, I don't know. And really, we should take that stance as default that we don't know until we know. And that's right throughout the workshop as well. When we when we go into that brand strategy workshop and we're, we're there to extract the ideas and the opinions and the perspectives from the client. We're not there to do a song and dance and a show and pull a rabbit out of a hat. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of, you know, controlling that conversation and, and, and techniques, what kind of, what are your go-to facilitation techniques to, to, to help our listeners be better at being okay with not giving advice and, and controlling the conversation with questions? It takes a lot of uh, screwing things up. It takes <laughs> a lot of, you know, sort of being present in the moment and understanding through reflection that, you know what, I wasn't ready for that conversation. Mm. You know what? Um, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. And again, this may come through failure. I know that, um, I spoke about fear earlier, but I, I personally uh, teach through failure. I learn through failure and through not doing it right and really thinking about, well, what, what went wrong? Mm. What part of that was me? What part of that might have been process? Um, I think, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And even still, you may not necessarily know what to do. You may figure out what, what you did wrong or where things went wrong and not necessarily know what it was. But I think um, for me, the answer to that question is really uh, experience. It's been experience and failure. Mm. Through those failures, I realized, and, and I guess I always go back to being in high school and, and I don't know about you, but I was a mediocre student and I put zero effort in because I was bored. 
And so I could be the class clown and sort of disrupt the class and talk to people over here or there. Teacher's like, what did I just say? And I could spit right back, exactly <laughs> verbatim what was just said. But the problem came in whenever there was the pop quiz. Yeah. You show up and now there's a test and you're like, oh shit, I didn't study anything. If there was a gun to my head and they said, you gotta pass this quiz to save your life. I, it's almost like a slow motion car crash where over the course of 60 minutes, your car is, is slowly speeding towards that brick wall. And you know, you don't have any information. You can't help yourself. And so I remember the feeling of panic in that moment. And I remember saying to myself that I'm never going to be in a situation where I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that for me, it's just always really important for me to remember that moment and then say, okay, so what am I going to do to prepare? How Mm. exactly am I going to enter that room? And I think that overall, um, a lot of how you set up um, and communicated, um, you know, this question is, is really what I try to remember just that, you know, our clients are, they're going to pay for our analysis, but everybody has an opinion. And just lastly on this, um, I always sort of communicate to my clients that, um, as the expert or as someone who has experience in doing this, I'm going to make the recommendations, but you're the client. Mm-hmm. You make the decisions. I'm going to give you several well-reasoned sort of scenarios that if you choose this, then here's going to be the plan. I'm going to work all that out before I walk into the room. But in the, at the end, I think it's really important just to acknowledge that number one, I don't know until I do. And number two, there's a bunch of conversations that happened above my head. Mm. I wasn't at your last earnings call. Yeah. I wasn't there around the conference room table before you walked in. And so therefore it's really important for us as people who do this work to acknowledge that there always will be a margin of error on the left or the right. And that there will be elements that, we won't know and that we can't know. And so therefore I think it's just always important to make sure. And that's why in the book, I talk about not just offering the red, green, and blue solution. Mm-hmm. I talk about offering scenarios where rhombus rainbow and, you know, something, you know, what red are, are three different things that you can sort of think about relative to the basis of competition that that brand is in. Yeah. And, from there, allowing your client to make the decision, but making sure that you're walking into the room with well-reasoned analysis and the honest truth that until you know, you don't really know. And, and, and it, it's so liberating uh, that that pivot to 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 go from I'm not here on stage, and, and we've all when you were talking through that that. Uh, that hour-long car crash. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. You feel it in your stomach and you're like, Horrible, man. and the conversation gone on in, in your head is like, oh no, I, I, I see it coming. And, and you know, you, you think that they see that you are in the headlights and, and you know, it's, it's just, a, as you said, it's, a, it's an hour-long car crash. And it's so liberating to, to just, to flick that, that conversation in your head to off and just go, I don't know, that's okay but I'm not here to, to pull a rabbit out of the hat. I'm, I'm here for a specific reason. And this is a learning process. And from that learning process, we get information, we get ingredients, and then we take the time and we let it distill and we let it 
you know, we formulate our plan and then we come back. So I think if anybody is listening to this, I would say this is this is the, the most valuable thing. If you could just take this away, it's OK. You're, you, you know, it's OK to, to I mean, if Douglas Davis can can say to his clients, I don't know. Well, then so can you, you know. And the best about this, I think, is just to, to add one more piece to this, is that this is how you can make sure that you avoid bad matches. Mm -hmm. When you can say, I don't know, if the response to that answer as, as an honest answer, I don't know, I will find out a recommendation. I will get what I think established. But right now, in this moment, I don't know. Mm -hmm. If the response to that from your client or whoever you're working with is not an understanding response, they want on demand, fast food. I want a number two with the Coke right now. That's not for you. And mm -hmm. actually they're doing your favor, but you've got to have the discipline to communicate that, you know what, maybe this is not for, maybe we're not the right fit. Again, mm -hmm. there's another sort of piece to this where as Creative people, sometimes we're really pressed to sort of take every single piece of business when every match is not for you. Every client is not for you. Every account is not for you. Every team is not for you. And so I think it's really, it's one thing to be honest with your client and communicate you don't know as a professional. It's another thing to be honest with yourself mm -hmm. and communicate that, you know what, mm, this is going to move into my personal life or I got kids or I have a significant other or I have to go visit my family or my mom. I have to take care. There will be elements of this that you're going to have to be honest with yourself about that. You know what? If I take this client who's sort of shown me that they're not patient, that maybe they've hired me as the solution because they've hired me versus I can then come up with a range of solutions versus you see the difference there, right? Mm -hmm. One is I've hired you, so you're the solution. I've, you know, you will figure it out because I've hired you. And the other is, you know, you are the actual solution just because you're in the room. That's the dangerous part of things. Mm. And I had to sort of drive my um, decision making away from certain clients, but it first starts with being honest with your client that maybe you don't know and then being honest with yourself that maybe this is not the right fit. Mm. And I, I think, I think uh, uh, a lot of clients come to you, you know, with that approach that, that, you know, we want, we want a, a, a solution, but you can, you can also shift their perspective of what their role is in the, in the meeting, in, in, you know, developing this, this project. And if, if you're able to guide them that this is a collaboration, that they are part of the process. And this is something that I've definitely found. The more you involve them in the process, the more they feel that they have contributed to and own the brand and the more they believe in it. So the less pushback you're going to get when it comes to presentation time, because it's their solution as much as it is yours. Do you, do you find the same? I do, and yet there, I've been in situations very rarely, but I've seen situations where you can't win, where mm. 
no matter what it is that you're walking into the room with or all the sort of alarm bells that are going off in your head asking these questions and they're giving answers, um, there will be situations that you can't win mm-hmm. at all. And I yep. think that again, with experience, with sort of having a client from hell or uh, a relationship that has golden handcuffs because they've paid you and yet mm, this is not working well. And what do you do at that point? You can fire the client, which is good, but actually it would have been better if you'd listened to yourself up front and not even gotten to it in the first place. Yeah. And so I think it, it sort of depends, you know, again, it's really important to understand that you could do everything right and still not win. That's always on the table as one of the possibilities. But yes, it's always best to sort of drive this into we are partners because that helps to change the dynamic. If you can become someone who can step into the shoes of the business owner or the CEO or the decision maker, the CMO or whoever you're working with or for, if you can think how they think, step into their shoes, understand the terminology that they're dealing with, but also understand how they're going to be viewed in their performance review. Hmm. At that point, you can understand how exactly to help them. And then again, that's viewed as more of a strategic partner versus an order taker and somebody who is putting together the things that someone is ordering. So, yeah. And for me, the point that we find that out is, is the discovery call and, and uh, taking control of that conversation, not, not allowing the client just to go down the road of, of asking you know, creative or visual questions, you know, flipping the switch and and putting the questions back on them and then using their answers to make that judgment call as to whether or not you're a good fit. The the way the way I see the way I see our our role in 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 uh, developing the strategy, there's a lot of translations. We translate a lot and and there's a series of translations that happen to to end up with a distilled outcome. One of those translations is taking the, the, the features and the benefits and then translating that into valuable messaging. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you take the, the, the features and the benefits and then translate it into a message that is going to resonate with the client? So this answer has a lot of how I triangulate and sort mm-hmm. of arrive at what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, when you think about the business category of the brand product or service that you're working with, some products are sold through feature statements. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're really thorough in that column, that's going to be the basis of any copy that you're actually going to develop the creative from, because you're understanding that category from the information that's in the second column. And again, you got to make sure that you exhaust um, all of the different uh, places that you can look for facts. You got to go beyond their website because the client is drinking their own Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a gap between what they say about themselves and what the reviews say in terms of real people who are using, listening to what they said, bought the product and either had a great experience or a bad, a bad experience. Finding whether there's a gap there is your first part to how I answer this. And then the mm-hmm. second part, is to really understand that certain categories are sold either through emotion or through the actual sort of itemizing of like all the things that you're going to get. So if we're talking about a car and if we're talking about the higher end, that's less about utility and more about what your face looks like when I drive up next to you in a Maserati. Right. Mm -hmm. 
that's more of the benefit part, right? And that's where you got to understand, well, what are we selling? And is there a gap between what the client says about themselves and what other people say about what their product or service is? And then from there, uh, understanding through your own research where you pull from in order to come up with the concept. I think the last place that I look to solve this question that you're asking is that the facts. I, I, I look there, but I ask myself another question. Mm-hmm. I ask myself, can we build a campaign on that? Where's the insight? Mm-hmm. It's not just about just sort of itemizing and collecting a whole bunch of information. It's really about understanding where are the insights. And, you know, we're either going to walk into that room and present something that no one's ever seen before. That's going to be few and far between, but sometimes we're going to be able to do that. Most likely we're going to walk into that room and present something everyone already knows in a slightly different perspective than anyone has looked at. That's Mm -hmm. what's most of, uh, of the time. That's where most of our solutions are going to come from. But even to do that, you've got to find the insights. You've got to really drill down into what is insightful about what mm-hmm. it is that we're trying to solve. How exactly is this going to be viewed in terms of whatever the pain point is that this target is trying to solve? How exactly can we present this brand product or service as the solution to that pain point? I'll say the last thing on this, that oftentimes, you know, when we ask ourselves what, what the problem is, we're sort of creative problem solvers. So we're trained to think about this from the perspective of the client. And I'd like to sort of push back on that and argue that really the first perspective that we need to understand is the the perspective of the people that we're talking to, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so important to understand who they are, what their life is like, what exactly it is that they're trying to to solve. And at that point, you can then present this brand product or service as the solution for that. But first, you have to retrain the way you listen. You've got to organize the chaos. You've got to turn those insights into executions. You've got to use the tools and the frameworks, and but you also have to sort of triangulate exactly what it is that your research says so that yeah. you can walk into the room, look at everything that's before you, have a process in place or tools or framework in place in order to under- make sense of it your- for yourself. Mm. Then at that point, you know what you think. Then mm-hmm. you can get recommendations, options. Yeah. At that point, we're ready to go back into that room and position this as the partnership to solving your problem mm-hmm. so that we can then move forward to the other parts of this. But again, fear is going to work into this. Um, the knee-jerk reactions will work into this. How we were trained to be more tactical and less strategic will work into this. There's all these things that will sort of factor into how well you do mm. in that room. And so I'm glad we're talking about all of them because they do play a part. Yeah, and what I love what you said um, in there is, is, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about before being an order taker or to, to be collaborating together. Of course, your client is paying you, you represent your client, but in order to best represent your client, you need to represent the audience. And that's, you, you need to be able to push back on the client and tell them if it's necessary that they are not the audience, they are and not the, the customer. This is so important, and I want to just jump in here that um, I've won business because I communicated to a client that what you came to me with is not your problem. Mm -hmm. This is your problem. 
Mm-hmm. And therefore, now I can sort of talk through the rationale for that. But again, you know, when you're walking to a room full of people who are either from the business side or who are the client, again, they don't want to hear the story of how you got inspired, right? They don't want to hear the journey. The creative team wants to hear that journey. They're with you on that journey. And mm-hmm. then you can reveal it at voila at the end. The business people and the client want to hear your recommendation up front. Mm-hmm. But to do that, as you mentioned, you have to sometimes, after figuring out what you think, you got to push back on the, re- the premise, mm-hmm. the reason why we're even in the room at the table at the first place. They, as the client, understand it in the way that they do, but they've mm-hmm. been in their own sort of client land. They've been drinking their own Kool-Aid. They may not actually lift their head up and s- they might not see outside of where, where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is your job. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. And yet I have one business like, like that by being yeah. brutally honest in a way that obviously is respectful, but in articulating that there's a shift in the way that you even understand what the issue is. And so here's what I think about that. Yeah. And, and uh, one of my go-to techniques um, with that is, is to help to shift the, your client's perspective on their role. And as you said, respectfully and subtly, you take them down off the pedestal and tell them you are not the hero. You are the guide and your audience is the hero. Now, if, 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 if we want a successful outcome here, it, it's, it's going to be by you putting them on a pedestal and, you know, finding, uh, you know, making it all about them, not about you. It's not about the founder. It's not about, you know, how long they've been in business and their story. And, and I think a lot of clients get caught up and, and, you know, you know, they get sidetracked a little bit thinking that, that it's all about them when, you know, really it's the, the brand exists for one reason and for one reason only, and that's to serve the needs of that target audience. Another, another um, area that, that, that we need to translate in order to produce an outcome. Now, some some specialists go down this road, others don't. So the way I see brand strategy, I see brand strategy as the 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 strategic de- development of the brand as a vehicle, and then I see mar- marketing strategy as the deployment of that vehicle. How do you how do you translate brand strategy to marketing strategy so that you know you 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 choose the right channels you you. Uh, you you know you you make most uh, you make the most from whatever uh, whatever budget or whatever tactics you have. How do you do that? How do we translate strategy to marketing? The biggest thing that I try to remember is not just the process. You know, when you think about um, the way the world has changed right now, COVID. Everybody has to pivot. Your clients mm-hmm. have had to pivot from the way they do their business to either doing the exact same thing in a completely different way or taking the, the uh, assets and competencies that they have and coming up with a completely new business as a result of the fact that everything shifted in, in the environment. So I think it's so important to sort of understand that in order to make that translation, in order to uh, connect with and understand who the target is and, and connect with them as or on behalf of the brand, you got to be, I guess, really aware of the shifts in the environment mm. and, and, and the pivot that needs to happen as a result of not just that environment shift. It changes the brand. It changes their competitive position. 
Um, but it also changes the behavior of the people you're trying to talk to. And I think in order to, to really make sure you can hit a target, you've got to really be aware of, you know, how is the wind changing here? Hmm. What temperature read on how this situation has changed? And, and really, I guess my answer to this is always to question the answers. Mm-hmm. Question the answers that the client comes to you with. Question the answers that worked the last time. We always have to rethink, ask ourselves again, did this, is this still relevant? Are we relevant? Is this particular tactic still right? Has the world shifted away from whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to be aware of that. And again, as creative people, we're the best suited to feel the changes in the environment, the temperature changes. But from that, we have to also understand that it needs to register that when that environment shifts, we've got to rethink or retool the different tools that we're using to even solve the problem. Maybe rethink our process, rethink the steps that we're working in, rethink some of the things that we've come to sort of accept as givens. And so I think, you know, the way I like to do it is, is I start there. Now, obviously, every problem, every situation, every target, every market, every brand, every, everything is, is so different and it's unique. But I start there really paying attention to how things have shifted. Mm-hmm. And then from there asking myself, if there's, is there something about what I had taken as a given? Mm-hmm. What everybody accepts? It's common knowledge. Is there something that is not true about what was true five months ago, six months ago? And mm-hmm. think about this environment, this time right now, because of COVID, the answer is yes. Everything is different. Mm-hmm. And as a result, where do you look? Is, is there a new place that you need to look for your research? I personally like to go to Mintel. I love that database because even though it's very expensive and it costs as much as a car, um, you can really find some great secondary research if you can't afford to do your own. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really about the quality of where you go to find the information that you're basing your recommendations on. And then from there, making sure that you're actually giving a scenario analysis, Mm -hmm. like an actual, if this, then that, if we're competing on the basis of, service these are your top three competitors if -hmm. we're competing on the basis of taste these are your top three competitors if we're competing on the basis of the experience then these are your top top three competitors and and i'm talking through this because in order to sort of solve or answer the question that you asked you have to really understand that you know when someone when you're doing a competitive analysis and someone says well who are the top three competitors that's not one list Mm-hmm. That's relative to the basis of competition. So you've got to ask yourself, well, what are we going to recommend for them? What mm-hmm. is the category? Doing? How has it shifted as a result of like the world changing? How has people's behaviors changed as a result of, you know, COVID? Mm-hmm. There are so many things. This is a moving target. And so there's no one right way, just like there's no one right answer. There's just your right answer and why you think it's right. Yeah. And, and, it's a perfect segue into my next question and and your 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 answer probably could have been the exact same for 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 this question and that is based on the 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 temperature gauges and and understanding what's going on now you've been around you know uh during the the dot com boom and yeah. you know you were part of that transition to yeah. to going from 
traditional advertising to the digital world. And all of a sudden it was, we got to learn this stuff quickly because the demand is, is out there. Another temperature gauge that really I've been talking about now for, for years is this, you know, the, the, the increasing education of the, the freelancer clients. So, so small business owners and their understanding of of what brand is beyond a logo. And, And that's the, the, the temperature gauge that's Rather than, you know, the dot-com boom, it, it was just, you know, from freezing to boiling, you know, very, very quickly. This has been a, a more gradual temperature change. And and that's that's what I see has been a, a big one in the last in the last couple of, of years is just being able to to meet the the client where they are with with their knowledge of what they need for a brand and then and then add to that. What what temperature changes do you see? Do you see that as a big temperature change in in the world of of building brands for smaller businesses at the moment? Well, right now, I mean, the biggest and most obvious temperature change, you know, as I mentioned, is really how COVID has just changed the world. Yeah, and either you know, again, your business, your own career, everybody's having the pivot, right? And the pivot is really, um, you know, for businesses, for for clients or brands, is really. Do we do the exact same thing? Uh, how do we do the exact same thing in a completely new way? Mm. Or how do we take what we have, assets, competencies, factories, equipment, uh, people, how do we deploy that same stuff in order to enter into a new business? And so just that as a, a very easy sort of way to look at what a pivot looks like for the audience, um, that's what everybody's navigating. And so if we think about us as individuals, since everything changed for our clients and everything changed for us in terms of behavior, then it also changed how we would get those clients or what those clients would need from us. Mm-hmm. It, would, it also changed how we find those clients, what the value is that we bring to those clients. Uh, because if we can't also pivot and help them move forward, um, you know, this was uh, sort of a Thanos snapping his fingers sort of change that was global. But as you mentioned, there've been a, bunch of other changes and most notably like you mentioned uh you know when i first started it was that the dot com you know in 1999 if you think about that web design web design degree like nobody could study it even though everybody was working in dot coms right it didn't Mm -hmm. exist and so i think and i guess with this part of the answer i want to focus on the pivot for us as individuals as, as creative people you know nobody really wasted time with uh sort of thinking like i don't know what i'm doing you know um, you know, we're, we were all at that point in 99, we were pioneers and we we're just focusing our time on solving the problems for the clients, right? Mm-hmm. Figuring out how to use this new medium that our design God professors had never even worked in. And so therefore there was nothing to look at. And I think that, you know, that said, as the temperature changes, as you don't know what you're talking about until you do, as the tips and tricks and tools and processes keep shifting because the environment keeps shifting, as people's behavior keeps shifting, we, that, that fear, that's sort of imposter syndrome is sort of setting on us. And that's going to mess with our minds as we're there to sort of answer that question that our clients come to us with, which is, you know, tell me what to do. What do you think? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just really important to not only understand that these things are moving targets, register that we need to to shift as things shift but also understand that you know that fear that might be there or that imposter syndrome that might be there now 
focusing less on that because in 99, nobody wasted time saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Every, it was obvious mm. because you couldn't study this thing that we were all just pioneers in. And so it's all this moving target and, you know, don't get too comfortable. If, if I could say sort of one thing about this, it would be, don't get too comfortable in the way that you're doing something in terms of process or in terms of the way you always do it, because it's going to shift just like, as I mentioned, flash, right? So you learn action script, you get good at it and then it dies mm. or, but that's not unique. We've always yeah. had to learn new typefaces. We've always had to refresh our portfolios. We've always had to, you know, you might learn Slack. You might be in doing base camp in terms of managing your projects, right? We are the right people at this time that everyone has to pivot, but we've got to understand that. We've got to have these conversations to sort of, um, I guess, just give us uh, the, the confidence to understand that we, we, do with this, we deal with this all the time. It's just the bigger scale. And so there will always be the reasons to pivot, but can we also sort of land on our feet? Mm-hmm. And I would say yes, because... How often do you, do you do different clients change the scope, regardless of how well you've managed things? Again, the conversations above your head, did they meet the numbers? Is, or is there pressure from a new entrant into their category in terms of competition? Has there been an issue at the factory, um, a PR problem that they need to answer, right? There will always be these reasons that on a dime, you're going to have to sort of question the answers and and turn those insights into executions, but there will always be chaos that you will mm-hmm. have to organize in order to even do that. So, yeah, and I, I think it's very easy, uh, you know, to get caught up in the weeds as well. And and uh, I think it's it's important to actually allocate some time per week. And I, I do this myself just to kind of take a step back, just take a step back from the noise, take a step back from from the weeds. And temperature changes can happen at many different levels. It can happen mm-hmm. up here at a brand exactly. level, it can happen down yeah. here with activities that are bottom of the funnel activities, but it's just, uh, exactly. It's just a case of stepping back and just, just giving yourself a bit of space to breathe, to gauge the temperature on, you know, whatever, whatever is the area of your focus. And look, there's, there's, there are a lot of, there are a lot of industries out there that are black and white, you know, it, it's just, Everybody, mm-hmm. it, it is how it is, and everybody knows how it is. Branding is not like that. You have so many different perspectives, different opinions, and a lot of misinformation, and you know, big gaps in in education with with clients coming to the table believing something and, and being way off. What do you see as our role in being educators as much as consultants? You know, this is a really good question because you never really know the level of knowledge that some or respect that someone's going to come into the room with. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes we get hired because someone who is at that level to bring in someone or do a brand exercise has seen what the competition is doing and they like it. Mm. And so they bring you in and they're like, do that, right? That person doesn't need you, but that person does need you to help them to understand what it is that we do because they don't know mm-hmm. they're in a position to hire they're in a position to do the exercise but if they want to copy right like any brand or any strategy that's worth its salt it's going to be a bespoke custom design solution every time but that person is thinking tactically so again if mm-hmm. that's sort of what yep. you 
arrive into the room with, you've got to understand and recognize it. Cause again, it's not just going to present itself as um, we don't know what we're doing. Mm. It's going to present itself as an RFP that you're going to say, great, you know, they need X, Y, and Z. And you read the RFP and you're going to do all your research. And then you show up and you sort of start to hear that they want what the last agency did, or they want what they did at the last job that they were at. There are all these different, you know, things. So I think, Again, I'll go back to retraining the way we listen. We've got to really understand uh, when that when we hear what someone is asking for, we need to shift to why they, why are they asking for that? Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. so I think that that's that's really the first thing that I'll say. But I think it is our responsibility, you know. Once we do hear that we are needed to to teach. Um, to educate because I mean I don't know about your mom but I know my mom doesn't know what I do she just knows that I'm not asking her for money anymore and you know when she retired I took her to Europe but you know (laughs) she doesn't know what we do right and so there are so many people who don't know what we do even though they're affected and they make their choices and every channel that they are in and they pay attention to they encounter what we do they don't know what it is and so Mm. You're going to all often find yourself in that situation around that table full of people who are there who called you into the room. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just got to recognize it and, and, and sort of jump in at whatever level you can in order to do your best not to step on the landmines. But uh, who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, what you said about about your mom that uh, I mean, that's and you can translate that to anybody in your personal life. You know, you you you're friends with them and and you know, but they don't know what you do on a day to day basis. And, you know, we've got two different worlds. We've got our branding world where we're passionate about all the, the this stuff. But that's what makes us individuals, you know, and, the, and the, the people in our personal lives, they've got their own thing going on. And we don't know about that side of their world, but we come together right you know, through, through, uh, you know, through why we're friends or, or, or why we're family. And when it comes to, to the client, they come into the room and they can have any varying degrees of understanding about what they need and, you know, what your role is and what their role is. And it, yeah, it's just a case of having the right processes to bring them through and highlight what's needed and highlight why we're there and, and, you know, get on the same page about what the outcome is. And uh, yeah, just with this scenario, I think it's really important to, to recognize that sometimes you're going to be in the room and you're going to hear that what a client needs, they don't want it. Mm. You're going to literally know exactly what they need after doing your research and understanding mm-hmm. the category and things like that. I'm not saying you're going to immediately understand it, but you're going to come to the understanding that in that room, the culture may be too slow for how the environment is shifted. Mm. So the thinking may be so insular that they're focused on where things were mm-hmm. and the world and their problem and what they need is something so far beyond what it is that they can understand. And so again, you're going to have to listen to the temperature reads and in that room and, and really sort of come to the realization that, wow, the client doesn't want what they need. Mm. So how do you move somebody from that sort of place? And, and I'll say that, you know, some of the worst meeting or actually the worst meeting in my whole career was one of those meetings where the mm. client didn't want what they need. And, you know, fast forward, it ended up, you know, getting them 
two Emmy nominations and allowing me to become Emmy award winning. So again, you have, you don't know, you mm. don't know, but you can listen. You and, can and listen. I, I think, and this, you know, this is definitely not for this podcast uh, episode, but that opens up the whole world of, of, of humans and our role, because at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're trying to connect a business with a human. So yes. understanding personalities, understanding desires, understanding the, the chemistry that, that I'm reading a book at the moment called the happy brain. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a great book. It's, it's, it's all about the chemicals that, that are released. And the more you understand about people, the, the better you're going to do your job, not just to connect the brand with the people, but to be able to manage the clients and to, to you know, give them what they want when they want it. it. It's just a huge part of our role. And it's something that just absolutely fascinates me. And we're learning more and more about it today. There's more and more books coming out and, and you know, the whole neuroscience side of things. It, it's just a, it's another topic for another day. But our role as branding specialists is to understand the humans that we're trying to connect with to connect the business with, but to also understand our clients to be able to better manage them. Um, so so uh, where this overlap we're talking about is in the, in the book, uh, there's a chapter on uh, 11 steps to a great client brief. Yeah. Sort of yeah. Um, and I think where this overlaps is that when we're writing a brief, we have to not only understand what it is that we're selling, just the product itself. We have mm-hmm. got to understand the underlying reasons what, what exactly someone is selling. And again, in the book, I give the example of, yeah, you might need a uh, Rogaine or something to regain your hair, but you're really looking for confidence. You're selling That's self-esteem, hard. selling yeah. self, self-esteem and confidence. And, yeah. of needs and sort of the first chapter sort of gets into exactly what you're talking about. And you can't really do what we do without understanding this part. So yeah, yeah I'm glad that you that yeah. touched on that. Now you have got... Uh, creative mentor series coming up, and I believe this is uh, this is an exclusive. Uh, you, you, you're dropping today. What's what's happening? Yeah, so I am breaking some news uh, on your podcast. So, um, so Adobe uh, Creative Cloud for Teams sort of reached out, and I was really really fortunate. I'd done some work uh, on another podcast, um, Adam Morgan. Big shout out to Adam Morgan. Um, but as a result, I think. It was great to, to sort of pick up the phone whenever the production company for Adobe reached out again and uh, they wanted to have this debut uh, five-minute mentor series where they would have a personality-driven um, series. Uh, you know, they asked me to, to launch it, to host it. So they flew a team a production company out. We had a two-day shoot. It was a whirlwind time. It was amazing. Um, and really, this was just aimed at um, focusing on how to equip the creative community with tools that help us to do a lot of what we talked about today, just in terms of collaboration. And so um, I won't reveal too much more, but I will say that uh, you can look for that early uh, December nice. of this year. The timeline has, has been pushed back slightly, but it's it's almost uh, ready to launch and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So thanks for having me to talk about. It. Beautiful. Looking forward to 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 seeing everything that goes on there. And mate, I, I just want to to thank you. It's been an absolute blast to to have you on to tap into your 
creative brain and, and your unique perspectives. And uh, yeah, thank you, my man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for including me. I very much appreciate it. And to all your listeners, when you're in Brooklyn, give me a holler, all right? Beautiful. And where, where, can, where can people find you just so that we, uh, we direct people who want to learn more about Douglas Davis, if they want to grab your book, if they want to learn more about the Creative Mentor Series, where can they get a hold of you? Where's the best place? Well, the best place is if they go to thinkhowtheythink.com. That is my website. You can go to douglasdavis.com. You can email me, M-E, at douglasdavis.com. Or if you're on Twitter, you can at Douglas Q. Davis. I'm in a bunch of places and uh, I will absolutely answer you back. So. And, if you, and if you're in Brooklyn, look for the man with the hat. <laughs> again, thanks again, my man. And, and, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more brand strategy techniques to level up your skills, make sure you check out brandmasteracademy.com. There's plenty of free resources and premium content for you to download and get you going. If you'd like to join our Facebook group full of like-minded brand strategists, all learning from each other, then find us by searching for the Brand Strategy Community, where you can find exclusive content for members as well. If you enjoyed this content, please be sure to give us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listened. And make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Brand Master Podcast.